This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's now time to turn back the clock and catch up with some old friends of A's past, exclusively on A's Cast. This is Where Are They Now? Vince Catronio sits down with alumni of the Oakland Athletics to reminisce and discuss current adventures. Here's Vince Catronio. It is time for another edition of Where Are They Now? And we are pleased to be joined by one of the most dynamic players for the athletics during their great run in 12 and 13 and 14. He really captivated the the athletics fan base with uh, the burning lean, with great catches, and certainly he was so integral at the top of the A's lineup, and that's Coco Crisp who joins us from Southern California, still in the game, thankfully, as he works for the Washington Nationals now. But, Coco, just bring us up to speed. You've been coaching your son. I know you've been doing that for years, and you got a little taste of managing in the draft league last year. Tell me about your connection with the Washington Nationals and, and what you're doing inside their organization right now. Yeah, with the with the Nationals, um, minor league outfield base running coordinator. And it just – well, for me, I, I've been fortunate. Um, you know, I got a chance to work with you with athletics and in broadcasting. And throughout my career, uh, post-career, I haven't necessarily had to look for anything. You know, I've been fortunate in that manner where I just get a phone call and Dijon called me uh, with the Nationals and I thought we were just catching up, you know, and, and it turned out to be an hour and a half phone call and I was just like, oh, okay, this seems like an interview more or less than, hey, how you doing? How's family? Yada, yada, this and that. Um, And then uh, shortly after or during that call, kind of towards the end, he uh, asked me about the potential of working uh, for the Nationals. And then, you know, I had to get back to him and try to figure out uh, my life and how I can make it work. But I was excited for that opportunity. I'm still excited for the opportunity. And uh, right now, I got a little break, then go back in a few days and and uh, help out on the player development side of it. But yeah, just been blessed in um, in certain situations uh, post career. Dijon is Dijon Watson, one of the all time people in the game. He's been around a long time. He works for the Nationals in the front office. And when you when you sit down with Dijon, you're just immediately you're you're just so enthralled with baseball conversation with a great smile on his face. So you are certainly in a good spot. I, I wonder, as you see the game today, Coco, because launch angles and exit velocities and you were a get on base, create uh, havoc, if you will, running and taking the extra base. What's it like for you to provide that kind of instruction right now uh, in terms of base running in, in a time where people are thinking more about, well, why can't you get the ball in the air more? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of aspects to the game that's exciting, but the, some of the some of the most excitement happens on the base pass when you can make it look like you're about to do something that you really shouldn't, just because you're so aggressive and, and, and you're going full board, and the fans get up out their seats because it looks like you're about to go for three, and they know that you really shouldn't, and then you shut it down. But it's that that heart, that will, that desire to try to push the envelope, and just trying to instill instill that. 
uh, into the guys mentally as far as the base running side, obviously proper technique and, and different uh, aspects, thought process, the mental side of it as well, uh, game situation, yada, yada, yada. But really that, that, that fire, that desire to, to go out there and push the envelope, envelope and apply pressure to the defense and the opposing manager and the pitching uh, and the catcher as well. Um, so, th so that's been fun. I know the launch angles and, and everything with the game is kind of that analytics, new thought process, somewhat new um, versus the old school. So it's, I, I think there's great aspects to both sides and the blend of both and really what works for that individual uh, can be analytics for one. It can be the old school approach down through the baseball. It just depends on your makeup, your chemistry, your thought process, the way your body works, all that stuff to what's actually gonna make you the best. And that's ultimately the goal, is how can you possibly, as an individual, be your best and with all the information that's out there. Coco, let's take a step back, because we've been so lucky on these features. Where are they now? We've had a chance to talk with a number of players throughout A's history, and guys like Dwayne Murphy, who won six gold gloves, started in the organization, and guys like Jack Cust, who kind of wandered a little bit and found his way with the athletics. For you, you were an established player. I mean, you played eight years. You played in a World Series with the Red Sox. And, and suddenly you come to the athletics, you know, as a free agent in 2012, I mean, 2010. Can you take me back to that decision? And as it turns out, you spent, you know, seven years with the athletics. But at that moment, what the athletics potentially were offering Coco Crisp that you could take advantage of? Well, for me, I was coming off um, injury. Injury riddled 2009 season where... You know, I kind of worked my tail off that, that offseason, probably pushed myself a little too far. Um, and then I ended up getting the, the double shoulder surgeries. And and I had some interest from other teams like the Rays, um, obviously the Athletics and a few other teams. And then talking with them during the interviews, the stability. Um, Oakland, well, Ricky's my favorite ball player. So to, to be – I had a few, but Ricky tops the charts, right? So – that in itself of him being a special assistant there and being and having the opportunity to go over there and kind of hang with him after I collected his baseball cards as a kid every single Sunday with my father, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a dream come true in its own. Um, I have family out in the Bay Area um, from California, so it's California club and, um, you know, all these factors, spring trainings in Arizona, you know, you start factoring all these things with family and, and, what's best for you as an individual and in that time the places that I was interested in that just seemed like the best fit for me and you know it was just you know I'm grateful that I made the right choice you know I, I was able to connect with the fan base out there the front office was was awesome the coaching staff that they had when I first got there with Bob moving over to another Bob <laughs> uh, was was really really good and, and, and my teammates you know I had a lot of fun over there with those guys as well as the broadcasting uh, crew, um, uh, and you know, it was just it was just a pleasant time, you know, being out there in Oakland. So it was it was, a, it was sort of an easy decision with taking all that in consideration, um, and it ended up being the right decision for me. Coco Crisp joining us, and where are they now? You led the league in steals with forty nine and eleven. You touch on Ricky, who when you do what you do, you know, part of your game is running, and you get a chance just to exposed to just be around Ricky what you knew about base running and base stealing what did he help you with or just refine because certainly you're talking about the man of steel you were really good at what you did as well what were those conversations like 
You know, we didn't, honestly, we didn't dive in too much. You know, it was just, it's just me being around him, the presence and, you know, his competitive, you can, you can still see as that competitive fire in there. And then every now and then, to be honest, I studied him a lot as, as a child and his, his techniques and it was on VHS back then, but <laughs> it would pop it in and rewind that sucker and keep watching him. But, um, you know, just, uh, just the way he, to be honest, just the way he carried himself as a as a hall of fame superstar i mean he's humble you know he's willing to to talk to you shoot, play, sit down play cards with you just just be normal you know and that's uh and that's refreshing to see um the conversation well one of the, the, the they always said that ricky has the, the rickyisms or, or or whatever right and and he didn't really use them i was like oh they're telling stories like he doesn't talk like that and then one spring training you know it was like he was trying to show us some stuff out there not trying, he was, right? Um, and it was like, Ricky, you gonna put on some cleats? He was like, Ricky don't need cleats, Ricky float. I was like, oh, there it is. There it is, that is awesome, <laughs> right? So now, you know, I, I reference it's from him. I, I use that, I was like, Coco don't need, you know, bikes. Float, you know, that is from him. You know, I just don't steal it, but, um, you know, it's, it's just a pleasure of just being around him, seeing the way he carries himself. The love of the game. I mean, he's there all the time, you know. So, I think that's the biggest thing that I got from him is just be normal, be humble, um, no matter who you are. And he's a superstar, so he's able to do that. I think everybody else should be able to. Coco, as a veteran player, did you sense uh, the change when the A's went to Bob Melvin in June of 2011, and maybe just uh, you know the the different message, the different approach. Uh, a little more calmness, certainly experienced doing what he had done. It was his third different team as a, as a manager, and he had already won a manager of the year before in the, in the National League. For you that have been around and up and seen a lot of things, did you say, hey, if if not in a clubhouse, but just say, you know what, this this is a, a turn that is for the better for the athletics, and certainly it played out. But back then, did you see that coming? Uh, well, not initially until you – get a chance to meet and get to know uh, someone that you haven't known before, right? And once that initial meeting happened, you instantly know that, oh, this is gonna be a good situation. I, had the, the, I was fortunate to play uh, under Terry Francona uh, prior, who is uh, one of my favorite managers of all time. I mean, it's him and, and, and Bo Mel. And one of the reasons for that, and not taking anything away from everybody else, I had a very blessed career and great managers that I, that I played under, um, is just their communication skills, right? On top of them being knowledgeable and being able to manage a game and play chess the correct way. Um, but just their communication skills, making sure that when you talk to them about your career, they're in tune with trying to help you or give you the information, as much information as they can with, uh, with not overstepping those those lines as well, but they they're able to communicate and and that's huge uh, with an individual in their career to be able to give them that security and they do a good job of that. If I bring up the 2012 season, I would imagine a giant smile comes to your face as it does for everybody that played on that team. Walk me through as you saw that year unfold and how much fun it really was for a guy. Again, you've already been to the World Series, you've played for several teams. And yet this was maybe as unique a regular season as a lot of players could have experienced. Yeah, this is the one where it came down to the wire at the end. and mm -hmm. Exactly. Drop fly ball. And mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's, it's, that sun out there is tough, you know. So Hamilton's out there, and, you know, he got that fly ball. It's in the sun. He ends up dropping away and coming back. But it was a, it was a grind, you know. We're pushing to 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 make the playoffs. I believe this is the first time for me when I was there, and uh, we're just gaining ground, gaining ground. And then that that last day came, and we we're able to pull it off and win the division. Um, you know, unfortunately, those dang Tigers were tough for us that whole time we were there. You know, Miggy and Verlander and all those guys put it to us every time we made it. But um, it, it was it was truly special. I, I, was the Bernie Lean a thing then? Well, that's the question because you, if, if it wasn't, you certainly brought it back. Oh, so it was okay. So yeah, and then and then being able to go out there and enjoy that with the fan base. You know, I forget when we actually did like the music video in Oakland and, and had it had it rolling because the whole stadium would get up and start dancing. So it was it felt like that time everybody on the field and outside the the lines like we we're in it together. You know, and that's that's a very special feeling when you're actually connecting. Like you know. <laughs> people's names in the stands, you know, it's like, hey, you know, and you're pointing and they, you have, you build like a relationship. And that was um, truly special to be able to go out there and win a, a division championship for them and tie it in. And just the electricity there was, has been kind of uh, unrivaled um, from other places that I played uh, during those few, the, those few years that we had those runs there. Coco, Chris, joining us, you know, I, I told you many times when I watched you perform, my favorite thing was watching you get a triple, just the speed out of the box and, you know, the uh, the daring, if you will, to get that extra, that final 90 feet. But if you're an A's fan, you could say, well, I love when Coco jumped over the fence and brought back several home runs, which you did, or diving as streaking catches uh, through the alley or, or stealing a base because speed plays and speed excites the fans. And where do you go with how you were able, you mentioned a little bit of the connection, but the fun that you had on the field and the things that really brought a smile to, to your face in terms of being able to perform at the highest level. Wow. It's, you know, there's a lot of things involved in that, you know, it, it stems from kind of the comfort level of that clubhouse as well, leading down onto the field. And then the excitement from the fans feeding into, you know, it's hitting you from all angles, the, the amazing feeling that you're bringing to the ballpark and energy that you're going to give to the game. And during those times, you know, from the the front office to the to the managers, to the coaching staff, it felt like we were all on the same, pulling from the same side of the rope. Um, then you get down on the field and then you have all the energy and everybody had like, we had, we had Grant, Balfour, right? And he had his thing, or we had Sean Doolittle, and we have everybody kind of had their thing. And I, I remember playing in Japan, and they play um, the music for the guys coming out, and they're singing the songs, and, and it's, it's lively. I mean, it was really that atmosphere where the guy comes out in the ninth, and they're rocking out with them, or guys walk up song, and and that electricity as you're walking up to the plate, and you hear those roars and them getting involved. It makes you want to do well, you know? It's that energy, and obviously you want to do well, but it's like, all right, here we go. You know, so all that kind of tied in together uh, to make that time special, but it's hard to pinpoint what, like, great moments, because there's the ones where you do something as an individual, and those stand out, and then you have the one that, those, that, that great feeling 
of being involved in that that time, that era, and that surrounding. Um, so it's hard to pick which one outweighs the other. You know, you're doing your own personal uh, statistics, and you have your team accolades as well, or just the the whole uh, entire organization, the the fan base. Um, so uh, can't choose. You know, it's, it's, it's all up there together. You know. It's, well, let me. I could pick a moment for you. Maybe not one of the things we just discussed, but you're in the playoffs and you're facing Jose Valverde and it's a chance to, to get a, you know, uh, to, to be the, the guy in the spotlight to get the job done, which you did in game four against the Tigers. Walk me through what that was like, that rally coming together late in the bottom of the ninth in game four in 2012. Well, luckily I've had a few games underneath my belt at the time playoff wise and uh, had some failures and some successes prior, but you know, obviously the fail, the failures help, help you in, in, in your learning. And for me, uh, prior, you know, I didn't give myself a chance to, to relax, to breathe, right? So that's, that's been a huge thing for me. Um, even now today, when I'm talking to other people, it's just when you get in big situations, don't forget to breathe. It sounds it's like, like who forgets to breathe? But it, that, that relaxing, you know, take your time, just take a deep breath, collect yourself, step up there. So. When that situation came, um, and I ended up walking up to the plate, um, you know, I just was able to collect myself. Oh, you hear? And you got a delivery, a food delivery. Um, <laughs> I was able to uh, collect myself, breathe, and go up there and stay within myself and my approach, and not try to do too much. You know, at times I'll go up there and try to be more than I am, and uh, you know that's tough to do. You know, you are who you are. So just go up there, breathe. Another. But just 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 breathe, and then I was able to get a pitch that I can handle, and dribbled it, you know, by the by the infielders, you know. But uh, it was um, it was exciting, you know. I'm jumping all around, and we score, and uh, just get, gave us uh, a little a little life. Coco Crisp has had some great advance tonight. He has not have a hit. He reached on an air score to run, but he has done a good job handling different pitches. Smith leads his second in a tie ball game. Valverde deals. And Coco, it's a base hit to right field. Smith to third, up the ball. Bobbled and red by Garcia, and the A's have won it. Seth Smith scores from second. A base hit to right field by Coco Crisp. Garcia charging from right, but he bobbled the ball. And once he bobbled it, it was a moot point. The A's are going crazy. Back behind the bag at first. Jumping up and down, and the A's have forced a fifth game with a three-run bottom of the ninth inning, and they beat the Tigers by the final of four to three. <laughs> Unbelievable! Fifteen walk-off, and Coco Chris does it again. Vince Catrone said first pitch. Remember how many times he jumped on a first pitch fastball? He got it there. And Garcia, for some reason, decided he's going to charge. He has such a strong arm, no reason to do it. He does it, and the A's win it unbelievably again. Wow. Come on out, Justin Verlander. You're going to pitch game five against Jared Parker tomorrow night. What a scene at the Coliseum, Ray. And you know, you said it best, Ken. Nobody's left this park. And as soon as the bottom of the ninth inning, these fans realizing what they mean to this club, the 10th man on the field, they got this place rocking, and this club got them really rocking with the Bernie lean, and that's what they're doing now.
Wow. One of the great photos of you in that playoff is robbing Prince Fielder. When you jump over the wall early in that game and, and literally take a home run back from him, uh, you, you've done so many different things, and I know you're asked this question a lot. Do you like a stolen base more? Do you like a base hit more? Do you like a home run more? Do you like stealing a home run more? I would imagine stealing a home run in the, in the postseason, if it's not the top of the list, it's, it's pretty close. It's got to be, isn't it? Anderson turns and delivers. Here's the one-two to Prince. Swung on, hit to right center field. Coco going back to the track, right to the wall, leaping at the wall. And did he catch it? He made a sensational catch. Coco Crest going over the wall in right center field, robbing Prince Fielder of a home run. And then he went crashing up against the barrier. What about a start to this ball game for the A's? Well, he got a great jump, really knew he was close to the wall, could care less about the wall, and jumped up a la John Jay yesterday with the Cardinals in left center, but he robbed Prince Fielder, and Prince Fielder got a hanging breaking ball that I thought, to be honest, was gone. Just full-on yep. racing to the wall, leaping at the last second, and Ray, I think if he doesn't yep. catch it, it goes over the wall. I agree with you 100%. The Xfinity sign, he took it back, brought it back from over the wall. The fans taking a deep breath after a remarkable play by Coco. And he was running full out. I mean, he was going as fast as he could. He was just left of the 388 mark out there in right center field. Uh, well, for me, that moment was uh, simply because the game prior, I did I had a little basket catch. I usually go into like a little slide and make sure that I catch it, but I. Got a little nonchalant in the playoffs, which isn't necessarily my my style. Um, but uh, it, it kicked off, and it was like slow motion. And I was trying to grab it, you know. And then I didn't get a fly ball again um, until that next game. And the first one that I got was that Prince Fielder home run. So the whole game, I'm like, gosh, just hit me another one. Let's go. Let's you know, let's get out the way. I don't want it to stay in here. Just you know, let's let's go. And I didn't get one. Then now I got to take it back home with me. And so the next day, I'm like, gosh, you know, just. And then that ball was hit. So I, I there was nothing <laughs> that was gonna stop me from trying. I was gonna run through a wall. I was gonna do whatever I could to make this catch because, you know, I dropped one in the playoffs just just recently. You know, hit that, and I'm running towards it. And and as I'm running, I'm just like, oh man, this I might have a shot at this. And then I leap up. And I felt like I was in the air forever because I kind of jumped a little too soon. And when I came down with it, I was like, I was, uh, <laughs> I was so excited, you know, just because of what prior, you know, happened. And then I just robbed a home run as my next, my next play. Um, so I was like, all right, here we go. I'm back, baby. Let's go. You know. So yeah, that was a huge, um, that was a huge moment. Simply just kind of to get myself going again as well. I robbed a home run in the playoffs, kind of keep the score down a little bit and but yeah that was a that was that was a, a top play on my list you spent seven seasons with the A's and I know you play with other clubs and we'll get to you returning to Cleveland in a moment but what what did the seven seasons mean to you in Oakland Coco um you know, you know it was it was special I, I spent some time in other places um, and like, like I said, I'm very grateful for my entire career and the, the staffs that I played under, the teammates that I've had. 
the fan bases that I was able to play in front of. Um, but playing in Oakland, that's the closest, uh, the closest club that I had to my, my home. And so to be able to have family out there um, already in the Bay Area and to be able to <clears throat> travel uh, back home at times uh, was was special. was was nice because there was moments where my daughter would have a recital and I was able to do a quick flight and then come back. You know, um, so that that definitely made it made it nice. Um, but all in all, I think what makes what makes your time special. Yeah, it's it's how well you do, um, but it's it, it is that fan base. You know, it is that love that people show you. Um, for all the efforts that you put in to be the best that you could possibly be. You know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But even through my tough times, uh, I, I feel like <clears throat> the fans, and this is in general with my career, but even more so too in Oakland, is, is they always, you know, have my back. You know, they always were there for me uh, when I played well and when I didn't. You know, they would pat you on the back. Hey, it's all right. Go out there and try your best again. You got it. Um, so that was really special to me, but uh, it, it's hard to pick a moment that in Oakland that, that I didn't I didn't have fun with or I didn't enjoy, you know. So that was just a special time. How much did it mean to you to finish in a postseason with Cleveland as the A's uh, allowed you to go to the Indians at a time when the A's were you know at a, at a different time as opposed to the great run of of playoff games and you got a chance to go back to the World Series and what was certainly an epic World Series against the Cubs. Right, even in the, in that moment. So at, at the end of my career, I got hurt. You know, I pretty much broke my neck <laughs> trying to run into a wall. I caught it, though, a Seager's <laughs> ball up against the wall. Um, and then I was, you know, I was, I was, it, was a, it was a rough little go there, you know, once I got injured. You know, I had to use my neck to try to hit my little funky stance and now my neck's broke. So um, not literally, but it, I was hurt, right? So, so it was tough. And, but during that time, A's were going a different way. And it is a business. You know, you go out there, you give your best. But at some point, you got to treat a business like a business. you got to put the best quality players out there that you possibly can. And I understand that. But what I do appreciate, and don't get me wrong, I wanted to be out there playing. That's a competitive spirit in me. But what I do appreciate is them allowing me to go somewhere else at the end of my career and um, giving me the opportunity to go back to Cleveland, uh, a place that was in the, in the playoff race, and end up making it to the World Series. We should have won. We didn't. That, you know, second place, that sucks. Uh, but mm. uh, it, was a good, it, was a, it was a good World Series, two clubs that hadn't won in uh, forever, and uh, the Cubs ended up winning it. But to be able to start my career in Cleveland and then finish in Cleveland um, – and finishing a playoff race in the World Series, um, I mean, it's it, the only thing that would have been more storybook would have been if we won it, right? So, but it was close enough, and I'm grateful for that. Coco, for, for where I sit, and you sat next to us for a handful of games one season, I always have an appreciation for how difficult the game is and having not stood on a mound or been in the clubhouse or been in the batter's box. And when you came upstairs and joined us for those 30 games, I wonder what you, what your perspective was seeing the game from a completely different angle. I mean, it's, it's, it's a much, and it's not, but it's a much slower game from where we sat and you saw that upstairs. What did you take away from that? Just kind of continuing to, 
to, to build the whole body of your baseball resume that you can lean on when you're having conversations about the sport. <laughs> well, one thing that I took away is your job's a lot tougher than it looks. I tell you that. <laughs> you guys are fantastic. You guys are amazing. I was in awe listening to you guys talk up there. I was. I, I had my. Uh, I had my, my my life jacket on. They threw me in the water. Said swim. I'm like, uh, how do you do it? Uh, <laughs> you know, was, I cough on air a couple times. Like, ah, you got to kind of click that button a little bit. <laughs> that was a, it was a learning experience. I had I had a great time up there. But yeah, the game does look. It does look slower, but you still you have to carry that understanding that the game is still difficult. Even when you're teaching young men or, or kids or whoever that, you don't forget how difficult the game is. But you can see things a lot clearer from a distance, even when you're in the stands or we're up, we're up in uh, up in the clouds up there. But you can see the the motions and the the, the movements a little clearer. But also where you can give information to help people whether it's uh, on the radio or TV or back in the clubhouse in your conversations and maybe somebody can hear or you can talk to somebody and, and possibly help them because you do have that, um, uh, you, you have a better, uh, a clearer view of things and how people can be helped, but you still have to have the understanding that the game is fast and it is, it is, it is difficult. Um, but yeah, the, the, the biggest thing for me up there was just how amazing you guys were. <laughs> well, let's let's wrap up on this, Coco. You you coach you managed in the draft league last year in Ohio. Got a chance to do that, as we mentioned at the top. You're with the Washington Nationals now. You're in player development. What for a guy that spent as many years as you did, you know, nearly two decades of playing, in certainly professional baseball, if not in the big leagues. What's your sense of where the sport is right now, and how encouraged are you about seeing young athletes becoming baseball players and, and taking this this uh, sport to the next generation? Right, I, I, I always thought um, baseball in itself, uh, PR-wise, could uh, do a better job of getting to the to the younger, the younger crowd a little bit. You know, basketball does a great job with the commercials and the news or, or whatnot, and, and other sports as well. But baseball has been so traditional, you know, and and there's nothing wrong with that either. But at the same time, in order to reach that younger crowd, especially with the attention span of TikTok and you know all this stuff so quick now, you kind of have to take a different technique. So what I do like is um, it's, it's not so cookie cutter um, as far as somebody hits a home run, they pimp and they do all that stuff. I wouldn't do it. I enjoy watching it. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. You know, I scratch my head at times because you go a little too far, but. You know, it, it's becoming a little more entertaining in, in some senses. You know, you got the gold chains. We had the we had the home run tunnel. You know, so it becomes a little more entertaining. And, and the thing is, as long as it's, I feel like you're not necessarily like you're you're celebrating what you did, which is fine. But you're not rubbing it in somebody's face, right? You're not trying to necessarily like stare them down and you know do it like that. But you're celebrating your accomplishment because to get a hit in the big leagues is pretty made to make it right get one day and so when you hit a home run you're able to celebrate and, and if pitcher strikes you out you know they can celebrate you know if that's the way that is going to go but it, it makes the the game a little more fun to watch as long as people don't take it personal which it can kind of get that way um but hopefully it doesn't and you just kind of go about it the right way but i like the way uh, the game is, is, is still traditional. You know, there's some things going on. I know in the minor leagues they have the shot clock 
now, you know, with the pitchers. So they're trying to speed up the game and trying to figure some things out to help with uh, the fan base. And, and and most of those things are working. I, I actually like that as well, especially as a base dealer. I would, I would count down in my head over there. If I'm like, three, two, one, I'm gone, you know. But uh, there are some things that they're doing to the game that I like that are some, some changes to make it a little more in the now versus being so traditional and just sticking to the old school stuff, you know. Well, Coco, I really appreciate the visit, the, the great memories. Uh, I've told you this many times when you were a player for the athletics, I, I respected your intensity. I respected your privacy. But I also told you that when we when we wanted to have you on, whether it was a pregame show or, or a postgame interview, you gave some of the most insightful answers that we ever got. And we're always appreciative of that because you you see the game. You're, you gave us a lot of inside stuff, not just stock answers. And we were always thankful for that, which is why we knew that you would have some fun, at least for a short amount of time upstairs with us. And we were very thankful for that. All the best with the Nationals. Uh, Hopefully at some point there'll be some reunions and uh, maybe there'll be another Bernie lean at the Coliseum. The fans who love you would just certainly enjoy seeing you once again, Coco. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.